0: Support for 100 Watts and a Wire is brought to you by 100WattsAndAWire.com. To subscribe to the show, simply click the RSS feed or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. When you visit, apply for your free 100 Watts ID and learn how you can become a sustaining member. Click the donate page and pick the option that works best for you. We've got a traveling toolkit, 100 Watts and a Wire gear, and activity days with prizes. That's 100 wire.com And ICOM. Get out and get active with ICOM's new IC705 and its optional multifunction backpack. And BioNO Power, offering the best performance lithium iron phosphate batteries for your ham radios. Visit BioNOPower.com. That's B-I-O-E-N-N-O-P-O-W-E-R.com. Or contact dealers nationwide. And now from Grid Square Echo Mike Forty Eight. This is 100 watts and a wire. There we go. We'll turn that down. Sorry, everybody. It's our first time. And uh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm I'm happy to be here. And uh, we're talking to Steve W7UDI, and I've really pulled a double dip on him today because uh you know he's net control operator for the hf net on sundays so uh so he's got another gig after we chat here but it'll be okay we'll just find a frequency i don't know if you can do that it looks like you've got your rig on and uh
1: oh yeah we got the uh we'll, we'll take a look at the pan adapter here and in a little bit and then we'll just find a frequency post it and off we go what do you think you'll do do you think you'll uh do 20 meters tonight or 40 oh yeah i i was out uh last night and just the band were hideous 40 and 75 were really really noisy and uh 20 was a little bit better so i don't know if we got something happening with the the sun the propagation numbers look good so we're we're in uh we might have a pretty good shot so we're gonna shoot for 20 because uh, the amplifier is already tuned up every and everything so it's just hit hit the button and go
0: you're a trip man because we started playing around with this uh zoom stuff You know, back in January or whatever Uh it was. And we all had weird lighting. And Mm -hmm. I still have this weird light. I can't figure it out. This is just. I need to (laughs) keep a little rug, a little (laughs) little staple something here. Like, man, I look like I'm on fire. I'm white hot. But your video looks beautiful. And leave it to you. Uh Like, I put it down. I'm like, I don't know. Nobody wants to see me do this. And. um, Like, who wants to see me? Well, your your video looks beautiful, man. It looks. Oh, thanks. you didn't mess around. You got it all sorted out. But I want to welcome everybody. Um, you know that uh, QSO Today Ham uh, Expo is still happening. And it, I don't know if you got a chance to get over there. I know you have a ton of work there on the farm. But, man, it is an interesting deal
1: to see a virtual crowd of people. Did you get to go over it all? No, not at all. I was so busy yesterday. I I didn't even... By the time I was done, it, it was getting dark, and uh, I was just took a shower and kind of went to bed.
0: Well, they have, um, like, virtual people. They're walking around, and it, it's <laughs> like, you know, they're talking, and uh, it's interesting. It's not like the crowd we normally see at our, uh, our ham fest, respectfully, but a really interesting idea that Eric put together, and I, I hope it's successful for him. We have a booth there, and Ian... Kilo India Nine Whiskey's that we should try to uh, do a Facebook live stream to the booth where people have been gathering in the chat room over there. So that's been a cool thing. People are coming in. And last I heard, I think there were 14,000 people who signed up and were registered nice. to, uh, to visit and go there. And you could go to, I mean, you've got to picture this virtual world. Where the people are just kind of like this and then they start walking and then they go into the hall, but you could see presentations mm-hmm. and, you know, the whole thing, but it was virtual and it was free to him. Hopefully he, um, he broke even on that because
1: it looks like it took a lot of uh, to do to get it going. Oh, but, yeah, it would have to be a lot, but uh, you know what? This is going to be a learning experience for him and and others, and they can turn around and find, you know, where the deficiencies were and then kind of make up for it and kind of go, well, we don't need to do that. Well, let's try this next time, and it's uh, something that could, you know, work down in the future. I noticed DX Engineering, they did something recently
0: with, uh, like, video presentations. Mm-hmm. And I go to catch them, and the one thing that was a little different about this one was the speakers, they were recorded. And I imagine they were recorded ahead of time. But, you know, you didn't have to be so uh, structured. You could kind of dip in and out of this. So if there's something like Rhea, N2RJ uh, is going to join us this evening while we're uh, chatting. And uh, she gave a presentation, and I missed it in real time, only to find out that it was pre-recorded, or recorded live. I don't know. We'll ask her. I, I got a suspicion that it was pre-recorded. Oops, sorry. There, kick the table. Video. Audio guy. I don't know. I, I got this boom. I can kick the table all I want. Video. I can't do that. But uh, seeing the presentations, hearing the presentations, we're kind of on your time. And I, I, I guess they'll hang out after this thing ends at uh, 7 o'clock Central Time for us tonight, I believe. Uh, so uh, interesting idea. And kudos to him for trying to put that together. And, Clearly, we need something to do. If 14,000 people said, yeah, I'll come to it, man, virtual, and mm-hmm. they didn't turn us into an avatar. At least I didn't have that experience. You know, if I, you could make yourself real. There's a guy standing out front of our booth, uh. hair, thin. <laughs> like, yeah, it's good. Young. It's pretty, yeah, young. young and handsome. Buff. Strong. <laughs> there's probably a horse tied to a tree <laughs> somewhere. I'm like, yeah, it's me. So what? Yeah, totally. It's my virtual avatar. But uh, yeah, it's good. And uh, when uh, Ria checks in with us, we'll we'll see what the deal was. But she was talking about DX and you know kind of how to catch them, how to bag them up. The ICOM 705 is your perfect QRP companion, as you have base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers. But it's in a portable package covering. HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at 1 kilo or just over 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. It's got that large 4.3-inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall. And the perfect accessory for the IC705 is the optional backpack It's the LC-192. It has a special compartment for the IC-705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Visit ICOMAmerica.com slash amateur for more information on all ICOM radios. This is Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel. Returning.
2: You have the perfect face for radio.
1: Screens open.
0: Hopefully we have some people watching, but we're also recording this, so... um, we we'll put it into the podcast or something, uh, for next week. So what are you working on out there? I know that, uh, you've got projects going out there where you live and it's probably hot
1: by now, of course. Uh, what we, are you working We, on? we have been hot. It's been definitely hot. Uh, we've had a couple of cool days here, which has been really nice down into the, se- um, seventies, low eighties. And, uh, but the immu- humidity kind of came up and then, uh, we're going to go back into red flag uh, come Tuesday so the humidity's going to drop temperatures going to go up and the wind's going to go up we've been just abnormally windy for summer usually summer we don't our winds pretty much die down but not this year so it's been kind of putting a cramp in the uh, in the tower uh, project and uh, so I'm in the process of stacking another tower and uh, so I've been kind of holding off on that I got a a crane uh, on the standby for the HF antenna replacement, and he's just kind of going. Well, let's wait till the wind dies down before we try to fly, uh, you know, the antennas and you know, take down the old, put up the new. So, uh, so just been uh, been beefing up the uh, retention, the the guys on the tower the other day, and uh, working on uh, upgrading the grounding around here. Just just projects that some things that I haven't completed and been finally getting around to getting it done so yeah well, the, we should probably.
0: i think most people know by now that you're a tower professional you work for utility out there uh, in the pacific northwest so you know what you're doing but i'm curious to see what the second tower is for you have one tower is it a 70 foot tower or it's just one of your it's,
1: antennas up at 70 feet it's an 80 foot tower yeah. and uh The second tower that I'm putting up right now is just going to be 40 feet and it's right next to the shop here. So mainly it's going to house or support uh, VHF, UHF antennas. Um, My main tower is about 100 feet away from the building. So it's uh, cable losses. I got to start using, you know, large cables to reduce the feed line losses. So I just figure I'll just, I have uh, four sections of uh, Rome 25 and it's like, well, let's, dig a hole here and and put it up and that's what we're in the process of doing
0: so have you poured any concrete
1: yet and i know it needs to not secure, y- nothing yet not yet everything is in place i just got to get the concrete and mix it and dump it pour it and then wait 30 days
0: yeah i remember and i didn't put up a tower either <laughs> so you remember this you kind of walked me through this with mm-hmm. you know when i erected the hex beam and i want it instantly Oh yeah, And it wasn't a tower either, you know, and I I totally understand it. I totally get it. But the waiting, man, the Tom Petty, the waiting is the hardest part.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: true. So true. And you were like, it'll be okay. Just, it'll go fast.
1: We all (laughs) go through it. We all go through it. And yeah, the 30 days, uh, you know, it's like a kid, you know, it's like, oh, Christmas is not going to get here. And it's like, relax, it's going to be here sooner than you think. No, no, it's never going to get here, Dad. And it's like, all right. It's that same thing on the waiting, on the 30 days. I just, once I got the concrete poured, then I just walked away, and there's other things to do and that I needed to get done. And uh, But next thing I know, 30 days was done. It's like, okay, let's start stacking.
0: Are so towers, exp- I mean, mm-hmm. let me rephrase it. Starting from the ground up, concrete seems like it's cheap enough to buy, buy the bag at the uh, big box mm-hmm. store, but doing it for a tower... Uh, does it, it get expensive with the truck and the pour?
1: It depends on what kind of tower you're putting up. So, in my case, I was I put up a guide tower, so I mixed it myself. But I paid the price with, you know, sore arms and things like that. And uh, it took a while. So, um but if you're doing a self-supporting tower, you're going to be dealing with 4 to 7 yards of concrete depending on your on your tower. It's just it's easier to get a, um, a, a you know concrete outfit to cut co- if they can do short short loads most loads are like around 10 yards if they can do a short load that's great um, my very first tower where where I grew up my parents house we were able to rent and a lot of places a lot do that but around here it's it's not common is you uh, go to a place that provides concrete and they have these one-yard trailers that you tow behind your truck, and uh, you bring it and you dump it, and away you go. And that that works great for you know short loads, small loads, and stuff like that. But uh, it uh, in my case, I had to mix on my own. So it was I had four pourers on the uh, on the big ta- on the main tower, one for the base, and then the all the guy anchors, and and the uh, the forty-foot is only one pour because I'm bracketing to the to the side of the building got it
0: and uh, some people are watching uh let's see uh steve he's here kc3azt and you hey know steve. Uh, he always checks in from philadelphia and rex says it's nice to uh put a face uh, with your voice steve
1: <laughs> uh, hey rex how you doing
0: and uh the delay is about 20 seconds which isn't uh horrible but uh, we'll take some questions if you want to put them in that chat I guess below where the live stream is it's first for me and uh
1: hey this is all new ground for all of us yeah so
0: so weird I'm trying really hard not to like put a finger in my nose or like eat (laughs) just keep eating or you know like you know nobody's watching kind of thing you know who knows but who knows where it'll be uh just we'll pause here we'll wait for some questions to populate we're gonna bring in uh, Rhea and to RJ into our session she'll be joining us soon and there's her We'll see if she pops up on your screen. Oh, there, there, she, there she is! She is. Yeah. Well,
1: hey, look at that. On, look at that!
0: <laughs> there we go. Um,
2: how
0: are you holding up?
2: How am I holding up? I've been um, I'm I'm good actually. It's um, hectic, you know, but it, it things are going.
0: I got to catch your uh, your talk, your presentation at the uh, Ham Expo, and we were talking about that just a little bit. Yeah, And not knowing, yeah. I, I had a suspicion that, that you had recorded that previously and then sent that in to them. You didn't do that live, right?
2: Well, um, nobody did. That, that was the whole thing. so today.
0: You do it. Steve owes me 50
2: bucks. <laughs> 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 Son of a dick. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: From the summit to the shack, this is 100
1: Watts and a Wire.
0: If you're an electronics kit builder, you'll find something interesting in the assortment of gadgets available at hamgadgets.com. Ham Gadgets has been around for nearly 20 years, bringing you some of the most popular kits ever. You've seen these projects all over the place. They've even been featured in the American Radio Relay League's Handbook for Radio Communications. Their Morse code keyers are being used every day by thousands of hams around the world. The $35 Pico Keyer has everything you need to build a Morse code keyer, including the enclosure. They also have a full line of universal keying adapter kits for transmitters and amplifiers. Order online at their secure website today and get one-week delivery for U.S. orders. They're on the World Wide Web at hamgadgets.com. That's ham h-a-m gadgets.com you're a freak with a
1: microphone
0: yeah i'm trying to figure this out i know you're real savvy with it um i imagine it's playing live i I have no idea what's happening here i know we are live and we're doing some recording which is cool
2: right Um,
0: but uh, i don't have that screen up actually the screen i have up on facebook and no one cares about this but i'm like yeah
2: I- Quiet, go ahead.
0: But we're like a fro it's a frozen picture. So hopefully the video didn't freeze up on the uh, interwebs.
2: Yeah. I apologize about the audio quality. I'm not at home where I have my you know these new brand new MXL mics and such. They're they're really good by the nice. way. I really love them.
0: Hey, so, um, you sound good. Yep. yep. Yeah, and I'm just looking over my shoulder here I go. Maybe <laughs> and I, can I have it. up on oh, Facebook. Oh. No there we go. I turn it down, I can see it. You're there. We're actually live. Yeah. We're at the part now in the video where I won fifty bucks, so that's exciting. <laughs> Rio, what did you think about the uh, the QSO today Ham Expo? We were talking a little bit about it, how different you know it is, but uh, how we're all a little hungry to uh, to to get together and gather in whatever way. And I had a handsome avatar standing out front of the uh, one hundred watts in a wire booth, so I was all right with that. What did you think?
2: I think it was really well executed. I think that Eric did a really, really good job, all things considered, um, and not even all things considered. I I think that Eric really hit this one out of the park. So um, kudos to him. And, I mean, he brought um, the idea when he approached people, he said, I want this to be like TED Talks, okay? Some of it quite wasn't like TED Talks. But a lot of it was, and a lot of it was very inspiring to people. And I think it's good to be inspiring to people.
0: Was it um, heavy? You know, I don't know anything about the virtual world, and you know about this sort of engineering. Is there a lot of backdoor, you know, back-end sort of uh, coding that goes along with this? Or is it like drag and drop, that kind of thing, to build some sort of virtual thing. I have no interest in doing it, by the way, so it's not a secret, but I'm curious to how this sort of world is done.
2: So this this particular expo was done, I believe he used an off-the-shelf um, service. I don't even know if he's, he might be the one behind the service. I don't know. He used an off-the-shelf service called VFairs, and they do like virtual conferences for other outfits, like IT conferences and such like that. Okay. It's the
0: first I'd ever... Scene of it. I enjoyed the chat room. Uh, I didn't get around as much. That's one thing I noticed is I didn't get around as much, so I sort of parked in our own booth in our own chat. But it seemed like there was a good representation. A lot of people had signed up for it. What does that tell you uh, as a you know a director with the uh, AWRL? Um, What's your takeaway from an event like this?
2: I'll tell you there. Um, so first of all, this was an AWRL sanctioned event and was sanctioned by the executive committee because it's a virtual expo. It's not really confined to any one geographic region. So a little secret, not so secret, whenever there's a HAMFEST, in order to get AWRL sanctioned, the director of that division um, must approve the sanction. So I approve all the hamfests. In this case, there wasn't really a, a director of a worldwide division. So they went, um, Barry Shelley, the interim CEO, he went to the executive committee. And the executive committee ended up approving the sanction. And um, his private comments to me, which are now not going to be private, is that he was very impressed. He, he said that how he definitely wants the league to look into something like this. He wants to either, you know, um, well, he's not going to be around much longer because we're electing a new CEO. But he really thinks the league should look into something like this for a, a future event. I know Eric's going to have a future event. But... Um, it would be nice. And I'm also going to approach some people here to see if they want to do an, a conference because I don't know what it's going to be like next year.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, is there talks in the league already preparing for uh, HamFest and, and gatherings like that? of There was one here in Missouri a couple of weekends ago. It wasn't canceled. They went through it. And I guess they're doing the social distancing and those sort of things. I guess it's, but you're saying sanction. So I imagine it has to hit a certain level Volume is that how that works before you get a sanction?
2: No, so all you really do is apply for sanction, and you don't um, have to have any real specific requirements other than you must fly the ARRL flag, you must promote the band, um, the banner, right? You must also allow ARRL officials to have a booth or a table free of charge, and you must also allow speaking time for awrl officials and in exchange you get free door prizes you also get um promotion in awrl and that's that's pretty much how it works so as far as the ham fest goes i actually went to one the other day i went to um the new jersey antique radio club down in wall township new jersey um they're not strictly a ham radio club they're more of an antique Like, you know, they're collector's club. They collect antique radios. And um, they were socially distanced. They had the masks on for the most part. They had um, people six foot apart. And they seemed to be fine, you know. They didn't sell any food. They had free soda, but they didn't sell any food or anything, which is, I think, what killed a lot of HAMFest, too. But we are planning for when things open back up. Some events locally are still happening. Um, one of them in this division, but generally around the other divisions, they might still have HAMFEST. ARRL is not saying don't have HAMFEST. AWR is just saying follow the guidance of your local officials and use your best judgment.
0: All right, while we have you here, we have to talk about, let's first say uh, hello to uh, John. He's listening or watching uh, on Facebook from Essex in the UK. That's cool. Hello to Stephen and uh, Michael. Some folks are uh, joining us. Kind of cool same in uh real time there i know you have opinions you both have opinions and uh, i want to air those out here a little bit about the uh, proposed ban plan the a uh, new ban plan uh, i guess we'll let ladies go first here steve uh, unless she defers uh but uh we'll uh see what you think ria what do you think about the plan uh could it be better where are we with it
2: so i was on that committee and this was really born i mean what you see in public is one thing. What landed up in my email inbox was another. And um, I literally had an email fistfight going on between two warring factions. And um, I wanted to bring something amicable you know, between them. And it's going to end up where not everybody's going to be happy. And I'm happy with that result, you know, where everybody's not going to be happy. But if we have a reasonable compromise where everybody stays out of each other's hair, then I'm fine with that too. So that was the whole genesis. That was the whole, I want to use the proper word. That was the whole crux. Oh gosh, that's such a cliche. That was the whole <laughs> entire picture of the bland plan discussion. Now, this is not set in stone. This is going to form the basis for recommendations to the FCC. And the FCC might very well say no. The FCC might say, okay, this is a great idea. So it's really just our input into the FCC. The main contention is the automatically controlled digital stations. Some people want them confined to a small region, or some people want to push them out to the sea. And then other people just want them to roam and fetter, you know, wherever they please on the bands. So we made a compromise They said, okay, we split the baby. And that's how we ended up with the ban plan. And that's my opinion.
0: Okay. Well, we didn't get into the nuts and bolts of the proposal, which we can do that too. Um, but I, I think I know you well enough to say and tell me if I'm wrong and then I'll learn a little bit more. We'll be even be closer, Ria. Um, I think you like to have it mixed up a little bit. I think you like change. Is that right? So, I mean, getting something different for you, is that all right?
2: In terms of the band plan? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think you just seem to be a kind of person that likes some sort of change, some sort of momentum movement forward.
2: I'm not, I'm not for change for change's sake. I just want something that is fair to all. That, that's what I've been telling people. I want anything I decide to be fair to everybody. I don't want to tilt it too much to one side. And even if I don't agree with it, I want it to be where everybody gets a fair shot. Now, um, as far as the band plan goes, change, um, I want to see the rules modernized. I want to see us to be used to use more advanced modes on the band. At the same time, I want us to use them responsibly. I don't want us to, to have... Um, you know, people just firing up data modes and crashing QSOs in progress. I, I think that would be very bad and, and breed a lot of animosity. So, you yeah, know, you have to strike a balance, Christian. That's, that's, that's my position, official and unofficial.
0: Next time I say I know Rhea, I'm just going to say she likes you to strike a balance. <laughs> so don't send that crap to her email anymore unless it's balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve will come to you in just a second. Uh, George says hello from Albany, New York. Uh, he's whiskey two x-ray Bravo Sierra. Hello to you, George and uh let's see, we got Larry listening from Ohio. He's kilo zero Hotel india Oscar. so hello to the folks that are this is kind of new. this is different. I should have hired makeup. look how good Steve looks. <laughs> Steve, go ahead and take it. tell us what you think about the van plan. Well,
1: you know, so when I first saw it, I just kind of just what well, this is ridiculous and it's like Whoa, 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 stop <laughs> stop that I the the inner curmudgeon came out and uh, and then I went alright let's let's look at this objectively and and what's going on here and um, some of the stuff I I had some issues uh, and one it was uh, it was you know bringing was bringing the technicians in having HF privileges it's like God it's so easy to upgrade and stuff like that but on the other hand I'm actually I'm for it <laughs> the more I thought about it I go hey this is a great idea then uh, then the other part was we lost uh, as extras we lost the bottom 50 kilohertz of the voice subband from 3600 to 3650 okay no big deal we got that back when no code uh, and and I think once no code went into effect for all classes that's when we had the last official ba- um uh, band plan change that the FCC enacted so it was like okay we didn't we didn't have it before so I'm not going to you know qualm over it have a problem with it but I like the idea of keeping the the wider band uh, automatic uh, data stations um in their own area in their own neighborhood which you know voice is in its own neighborhood cw is in his own neighborhood let's you know modernize and let's you know update the ban plan and i think it's a i think it's a good balance i know it's just the arl's proposal i appreciate what the what what ria you guys did as the committee and what you have to go through and we'll see what the fcc does and you know and to everybody, don't sweat it. It's no big deal. Because if the FCC takes it and runs with it, you'll have your chance to have an input into it. And then we'll see how the how the chips fall. But, you know, right now, relax. It's okay. It's just a proposal.
2: Um, Can we, yeah, go
1: ahead. Uh, go ahead. I have no a worries. Follow-up. I do
2: have to clarify a few things. So the technician proposal is separate from the band plan. And um, the other proposal for taking back 50 kilohertz of the 80-meter phone band is also separate. Those are separate petitions that have been sitting in the FCC hopper for a very long time now, even going back to Dave Sumner two, three CEOs ago. That's a joke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, those are actually old things. And what we did was the only reason we included them in this petition is that we wanted to assume that the FCC would have granted those. My opinion on the technician enhancement, I, 50-50. I, I like the idea to text get a little more phone. I do think that they could have some data. I do think that allowing the automatic stations, ACDS, for technicians is a, little, is a bridge too far. But I'm hoping that, you know, that, that people stay well behaved on the bands and you know, maybe the FCC will split the baby or maybe the FCC will say, okay, you get what you want. But anyway, just to clarify, the ban plan only dealt with the wide and narrow data modes and the automatic data modes. It did not deal with the other petitions which were filed well before this ban plan came into into um, uh, existence. All right, back to you, Christian.
0: Yeah. I, I wonder... Um it seems that there are a ton of technician licenses every year, but they don't really move into uh, the general class. I mean, that's got to be a thought in this whole process, right, is to try to give the, uh, I don't know if it's carrot and stick, if, if that's appropriate, but you really would like to see some of these technician licenses move into the general at least. Does that have anything to do with it? Is, are these conversations that are happening with the league at all?
2: so as far as the so the league's goal i mean i will be blunt the league's goal is to attract and grow its membership and to attract and grow the amateur radio ranks bingo we are attracting and growing the amateur radio ranks but a lot of people are staying technician i think what happens is a lot of people get the license because somebody pushed them to get the license and then they probably have a bao and then They make five QSOs on a repeater, chuck the radio in a drawer, and then say, you know, bye-bye to ham radio. What this might do is this might give them some sufficient privileges to explore a little more. When they explore a little more, maybe they become interested in something else besides just the local repeaters, which these days are, are, like, waning in popularity, although with COVID, they got a nice little resurgence. But... The goal was, and I was on that committee as well, and actually I, I made the motion to, to end the committee. My first year on the board, and the discussion was, this came out of a survey, this came out of a, um, a study where giving technicians some additional privilege on HF would allow them to explore and grow and learn. And I've, I've been saying this, shouting this from the rooftops. Emergency communications is great, but most of basis and purpose is learning. And if we're not learning, we're not fulfilling our basis and purpose. And we have to be teaching and learning.
0: That's fair enough. And I just want to, uh, we have some people that are watching, and I see there's 29 comments, but I can't seem to pull them up here. This is my first time. I'm I'm a little in the dark here. But uh, I'm trying to pull up some of the comments there. Uh, Larry says, give them a bite and they'll take the cake. Uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. And I know a lot of these guys and girls, I'm finding, are, they're getting the, uh, the the HTs and putting uh, comms as part of their, you know, stuff hits the fan sort of preps. Um, you know, and I, I do appreciate the emergency communication thing. We could talk about Aries and uh, its effectiveness and all that stuff built down the road. But I think when you say you throw it in the drawer, I mean, that, that kind of that rings home because I do think a lot of people just have it there, and it's for their plan, their comms plan, part of their you know package for preparedness. And I know right now, if I grab my HT, I, I, I probably have forgotten how to uh, to program something simple, you know. So uh, when it goes in the drawer, I think it tends to stay in the drawer, at least for when the um, techs are concerned. So. But then again, you know, the other side of this is the HF argument. Are, are they ready? Do they know enough? I, I don't think I did. You know, I think the practical learning, like you said, the learning happens after you get that licensing. For me, it did. I don't know
1: where I am. Steve, what do you think? Well, if they, um, you know, if the FCC grants this, I I hope that the um, the testing, the, the technician testing, will touch a little bit about HF because those are going to be, pre- you know, those are, Uh, privileges that they're going to be that a technician is going to have so they need to at least be a little you know one or two questions or three or four uh, in regard to HF but let's we brought up ARES and and I'm just gonna give you an example from you know the utility I work for we have an ARES team and uh, one of the problems we have is we have a lot of technicians that are part of the ARES teams we have a few that have general or extra class license. Well, in the state of Washington here, we t- you know communicate with the uh, state EOC, and they want that done via HF from all the EOCs throughout the state on 75 meters. Here's a perfect opportunity to get. There. Now we're going to have people that command the HF station because now, in the way it is today, we can't. Most times when we operate, you know, when we open up our EOC, we don't have an, a, an HF privileged operator there to uh, pass traffic on 75 meters. We'd have to go through six meters or a couple other repeaters and there. But this is another opportunity that can benefit the ARES, the ECOM, and world. So I part of you know that was the the rationale that I thought of, you know thinking this through was you know let's give them a little bit give them some privileges and then and then see where it goes and how will it fit the way we operate today and uh, and then for us on the nets holy smokes we got to move frequencies if this uh, ends up because we want to tap into that uh, resource on our HF nets especially on 75 and 40 meters because the technicians don't have in this proposal there is no privileges on 20 meters but maybe down the road or or who knows maybe the FCC might say no we'll let you have the top 100 kilohertz of 20 meters too so I don't know we'll we'll see how it all plays out but I I think in the big scheme of things I mean we've always been fluid on 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 how things have happened in amateur radio I mean there's People still talk about the incentive licensing. one. the league proposed it in 1963 for incentive licensing, and then the the commission came back two years later, came up with their proposal, and then then we have it what we have today. And um, it, it, there's it's the technology is changing; everything changes, and we just need to stay fluent. We have you know new modes of wide uh, data, automatic control, data stations we need to you know get them in we have we have video we have slow scan fast scan we have all these modes in our hobby and we need to you know accommodate everybody and i think this is a good you know a good try and let's see how it goes and and go from there and it's yeah we're gonna have you know people that have been licensed as long as i have and longer are gonna fight it and it's like okay you know if you feel that strongly then then you know Say your piece when uh, the FCC asks for co- um, comments. Until then, let's see how it all plays out.
0: Let's take a couple of questions. We have, a, we have some news agencies joining us tonight, which is kind of cool. Um, Paul Brown uh, from Amateur Radio Newsline, he says, I also don't agree with the argument that computers have no place in ham radio and that if you use a computer in any way to facilitate a QSO, then you're not a real ham. Rhea, you want to comment?
2: Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been hearing that comment a lot. And um, yeah, I agree. Uh, this is in regard to FT8. So people will know, a big spoiler alert, I'm a big fan of FT8. Joe Taylor Joe Taylor is a close personal friend. And Joe and I, we operated at 4U1UN with um, FT8. Um, I think that FT8 is great for what it is. It's good for... Propagation investigation is good for making short contacts. I do not agree with full automation of F T eight like some people are doing, where they set it up and they just press it on and it go fish for the rest of the night and you return to a log full contacts. That I, I don't agree with. As far as computers go, I think that hands actually have a long history with computers. You know that um, Steve Jobs was inspired by a ham. Steve Wozniak was a ham. And you have a number of brilliant computer people who are hams. Why are hams so afraid of computers? I, I just don't get that. You know, it seems very weird to me. I think that we should be, we should be embracing all things tech. And that includes and especially includes computers.
0: Yeah, change is good. Uh, George uh, Bowen from uh, This Week in Amateur Radio, he says, uh, I've been a tech since I was first licensed back in the mid-90s and I've never operated any HF band. And I guess the comment is uh, uh, interest there. So maybe he's not. I don't know if he's saying that uh, the interest isn't there for HF or maybe the privilege to go to HF wasn't there. So maybe George can clarify that. But I I know the... um, uh, the, uh, the manager here for the Aries team, he's been uh, you know, a technician, and he's completely happy. You know, he leads the Aries team, and he's cool with that, and that's what he wants. And I think that's great. You know what I mean? Like,
1: mm-hmm. we
0: need more voices. We need these people in here, and change is good. I think we have, to, we have to change a little bit with it. Steve, anything to add on that? Then we can move to Bill. Bill Baker's got a comment we can say. It, see what happens with him.
1: Well, oh, back on the computers and Paul, I'm I'm not I, I'm not sure where you're going on that. Is that computers in the shack, or are you utilizing you know VoIP um, technologies to? Because I know there's been a big bruhaha, and some say, oh no, this is not real ham radio if you're linking repeaters with uh, with uh, the internet, but. I'm with Rhea. I, I, I'm not. I don't operate FT8. I'm just. I don't have the interest in it. And just like folks that are technicians, don't want to go beyond technician classes, which is great. Um, I don't think it's a great idea. I wouldn't do it just by you know starting the program and walking away and see you know what how many contacts I get automated contacts overnight. I'm, I prefer to be in front of it. But on the other hand having computers in my shack has been great i i if my machines go down i'm dead in the water it uh all my all my antenna switching is done via the pc uh it's the antenna switch is usb controlled all my logging everything else and so there's there's a a need in in the in the shack i think it's been a great addition there's a lot of people that don't you know they don't care that to have the computers in the shack and they want to go old school and that's great do it it's it's all right but uh it's we need to embrace these new technologies and help you know help us and boy having computers in the shack has been a has been a godsend for me and my whole my whole operating uh strategy and and uh has changed since you know the pc has been in the shack right
0: well i'd say we got to leave people alone my father used to say He was very complicated, but he was also very simple in messaging sometimes. He can be very straight. You know, leave people alone. You know, you see Mm -hmm. a snake in the grass, leave it alone. You know, they got a scab, leave it alone. Whatever it is, leave it alone. Leave people be. You never know what's going on with somebody. Leave them alone. Let them be interested in it. Any interest in the hobby is probably a pretty good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bill says, what's the purpose of the changes? And does this reflect what's actually going on out there? Ria, you want to comment on that?
2: Uh, The band plan, um, so the purpose of the band plan is to separate and keep the automatically controlled digital stations windlink basically out of everybody's hair, give them enough room to operate high in the band where they're not close to a lot of the watering holes and at the same time offer some um, uh some ability for them to use the more modern modes like Pactor Four, because currently Pactor Four is not legal. So this actually was born out of where there are a number of different hams who started to raise a, a, a whole big controversy about how um, the simple, so let's back up a bit. The FCC has a, uh, a broad um, limit rate on HF data transmission. And that's 300 board, right? Yeah, you know your old modems with the suction cup? That's how fast we can go on HF. So it was proposed to remove that limit. I'm fine with that. However, I do think that having 3 kilohertz wide signals from 14.0 to 14.150 is not going to make a lot of people happy. I do think that there has to be some segmentation so that there is a slice for everybody else to play with and then there are people basically emailing all the directors and emailing everybody else saying well you know um we don't like we don't like how we're going to have wide data on the whole band and we want to put a stop to this and they were very angry and such and um one person who publicly you know went and on the attack about winlink was n9nb um, you know, I, I could say his name because he, he's not ashamed about it. So there's, there are a the number of people, and, and Ted is a brilliant guy. Ted is basically one of the founding fathers of 5G. I like Ted a lot. I, I think he has a point in some cases. I do think that he might hold a view that is a little bit tilted to one side, but I think that some of his views have merit. On the other hand, you have the Amateur Radio Safety Foundation. And they are the owners of Windlink, And they want to remove that board rate restriction so they can have faster transmission of email and they can get on here. And you know what? I don't blame them. So we had to strike a balance between this faction and that faction. And there are a lot of things I can't go into, but this is really the, the, the thing that was public, that these two sides were at each other's throats. And we really want to make sure that everybody at least gets the, the least amount of harm. And, and we have something where, you know, one side does not dominate the entire um, band plan, so to speak.
0: Yeah, that- well, we'll probably hang out. I'll, I'll let you come, Steve. Hold on just a second. We'll, we're definitely going to uh, hang out for a few more minutes. This is really fun. It's really cool. If you have a question, I know there's a 20-second lag or so from us to you, uh, but uh, put your questions in the chat. We'll try to pick them up. And just a comment, uh, Sean says if your HF radio, your HF radio is a computer if it's from the '70s or newer. Also, uh, some other comments going in there. Go ahead, Steve.
1: Well, we already tried this. Um, you know, Rhea, you didn't, uh, you, you didn't bring up the uh, bandwidth. Are uh, there? Oh, was it the? Oh shoot! I just, saw, I lost it. It was the. Uh, uh, mode or the bandwidth uh, proposal that went to the FCC and turned into a huge war, and uh, that all started this. And um, it was uh, bandwidth by regulation or something like that. Uh, I know I'm butchering it. <laughs> and uh, so there's been a huge faction on this with the wind link, and uh, it was you know, it was envisioned that uh, you'd be having a conversation or rag chewing on somewhere in on 40 meters and on uh, say 72.05 and you're just talking along and all of a sudden bam here comes this uh, automatic uh, data station that's just going to wipe you out and so there was uh, that we the the issue is the the incompatibility of the various modes that we operate and this is a nice balance trying to you know give every not everybody's getting what they want but there is a you know there's a there's a balance there and um, so yeah we we're limited to 300 bod but uh, they want to go uh, to Pactor 4 and uh, and then that's a you know another uh, dilemma in, unto itself but uh, it, it's we got to change we I mean it's we can't stay stagnant the the technology is changing so we got to change our rules and regulations and we got to do it smartly and if we can come up with a with a band plan because FCC doesn't, they, they just want hands off. They just going to come out and say, this is it and uh, live with it. So if we, ha- if we can put some input into this, let's do it and let's do it smartly. And then, you know, not everybody's going to get what they want, but if someone gets, you know, if everyone gets a little bit, then we should be good.
2: So um, yeah, you did, you did hit on an important point, the regulation by bandwidth proposal. Um, people are saying like, there's someone in the comments saying that how this would have solved all of this. The problem is, like you said, the the incompatibility of modes. Like imagine you're having a QSO on, you know, 14.275 and then all of a sudden an email robot decides to fire up and have this massive wideband signal just hammering away until it takes the frequency. You know, that's just not going to fly. Similarly, on a contest weekend, you have the contesters 60 dB over S9 and you know, some poor guy in the middle of the ocean trying to send email is just not going to get through. You know, so it th- you really need to have something that keeps people separate. And I mean, yeah, you know, in theory, regulation by bandwidth um, works, but in practicality, it's going to just cause a huge fist fight on the amateur radio bands. And you could already mm-hmm. see in the press proposal it was heating up. To that point, it got so bad. And I saw the internal discussions, which I can't get through, but they did end up pulling the proposal because of the PR. It was just not politically feasible.
1: Yeah, that, that was a, a disaster. I mean, the league put it in and then the league pulled it out right. and it just, it made the league look bad because the league didn't have a, uh, a sense of what the community was, uh, what, you know, what the, the temperature was and yeah it it, it it is what it is but uh but you can see this right now on the bands I and mean, there are there's some wideband data that just shows up here and there and everywhere especially mm-hmm. on 20 meters and uh it's uh it's disruptive at times and it just pops up and uh i mean you have a, a flex radio i use sdr receivers and you can really see it when they uh, on a uh on that, or any you know, radio that's equipped with a pan adapter, or or just tuning across, you come across this noise, and you're like, "What the heck is that?" And it's uh, emanating out of somewhere out of you know Europe or Russia or China or who knows where.
2: Yeah, um, you mean like the radar, right? Yeah, the radar.
1: It kind of, there's a radar, and then there's there's a. a I've been noticing some other uh, data transmission that's been uh, on constant i mean we have the buoys that you know Mm -hmm. sweep across the band and then we have uh, the radar but then there's i've been noticing this wideband data that just is there and you can see it come up and go down with the propagation and then it goes away and comes yeah
2: i i do know what you're talking about i think those are either they might just be rogue transmissions from some foreign state that just doesn't care about any regulations Mm -hmm. and or they might just be in other regions where They are, you know, they have the ability to transmit on that band Mm -hmm. and 80 meters or whatever is not exclusive to amateur radio. So they just fire up a military data transmission and, you know, to heck with amateur radio.
1: So the point I'm getting at is that it's already happening now. And so do we want to, you know, self-induce that to, you know, to ourselves? Do we want to bring that on? I don't think so. Yeah. Any other questions? (laughs)
2: it's dark here
1: yeah. christian are you muted i think you're muted buddy i was muted christian, I was my, where, my mother did that i want to
0: blame my mother for that <laughs> because everything that happened God, got it <laughs> so i was going to ask you about the OO plan and i wonder if anything is uh is it working is it doing better is it growing how's that going i know that OO oh, oh, maybe you can describe what i'm talking about
2: Oh, yes, my good friend, Mr. Riley Hollingsworth. You know, Riley and I really hit it off um, since I joined the ARRL board, and, you know, I have regular phone calls and emails with him, and he's a really nice guy. He really, you can tell he really cares about the health of the amateur radio bands. I will tell you one thing I'm very pleased that the new volunteer monitor program is doing is that they're sending out good operator reports. And good operator reports are are really really important to recognize good behavior because when you recognize good behavior you're going to encourage more good behavior and encourage more proper operating so i think they're doing a great thing with that the problem children will always be there you have a you know the six land station that keeps jamming some nets you have you had um k1 man silent key for years you had the some guy up in Canada who kept jamming and, you know, Oh, and who, then we got our, got our
1: characters here on the West coast.
2: Right. So, yeah, well, remember the, the one I was talking about was on the West coast. who got his license. Well, I don't want to say his call sign, but, um,
1: K
0: zero D bag <laughs> or K D zero bag. Sorry. Sorry. Mom.
2: Um, you know, Dick Norton refers to him as the world's biggest jammer. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Yeah, we got yeah. we, we, we our share here on the West Coast.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah we don't know what here, hear so, here. Go ahead, Ria.
2: Yeah, so you know what? I think, I think it starts with good people, and there have been a lot of good people getting into the VM program. I talked to a few of them. I recommended a few of them. And, you know, people who are like engineers and such who know how to track down interference and jamming and such, and it's really good. There are some stubborn problems like here in New York and New Jersey area. We've had repeater jamming, persistent repeater jamming with. There There was a guy who even got arrested because he went and he jammed the NYPD. Never. But well, actually, even, he made a distress call on the NYPD radio. And he got arrested for that and he came out of jail and then. He started back jamming repeaters, but I think he kind of quieted down. So there, there have been miscreants, but VM program, great. I really love it. I, I'm really glad the ERRL decided to do that. It was at the recommendation of the FCC, and they got the right person for the job. Riley you know, is Mr. Enforcement, and he, he really got things going and, and going in the right direction.
0: I, I want to apologize if anyone does have the call sign KD1 Bravo Alpha Golf. KD1 bag. Uh, I don't know if that's a real call, but <laughs> if you really do have that, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to call you a douchebag. <clears throat> Can you say that on MTV streaming? I'm not sure. MTV, right? Uh, uh, Facebook. I've lost it. I've lost it. I probably should let it go. I want to thank you guys for hanging out, W7UDI and 2RJ, uh, for doing the live stream. First ever. A little weird. And thanks for people, uh, you know, listening and giving their comments and perhaps we'll do it again i got to get steve over to the net or he's overtime. isn't it like when you climb your tower if you get over a certain height
1: you make more money
0: and then how that works yeah at yeah. work yeah it, it is, is.
1: we uh we we hit a we hit a uh, what we call high time and uh so uh, it's 80 feet and uh when i'm at work so but all our towers are uh more than a than 100 feet tall so uh I, I hit high time he's every rich, time I go up.
0: Rich, because he gets up there. I remember um, it was in the winter time, and he had snow. Everybody was getting snow. It was cold. And he had to go up there, and he was like, it's okay. I'm getting high time. I'm going over you know, 80 feet. And I was like, man. We didn't talk specifics. But I know it's comparable to like the net. So he's looking at his watch. I notice he's looking down a
1: little bit more. Like, I'm looking at my phone my my wife's texting me
2: <laughs> you know christian i put a meme on my facebook one well, not a meme i took a picture i was up on a tower doing something and i took a picture staring down and i said ham radio is my drug it gets me so high
0: there you go that'll do it <laughs> fair enough on that note we'll wrap it up uh, you guys take care of yourselves and each other and by all means if you can please try and stay above the noise let's do this again sometime it's kind of fun
2: I'm game, Christian. Let's do it. Anytime, Goodbye. buddy.
1: Anytime. See you, Rhea. To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100WattsAndAWire.com.